Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. The entrance of your words give light. They impart understanding to the simple. So says the psalmist 119. Today's topic, God's book recovered. The Reformation of the 16th century, the Protestant Reformation, accomplished many things. One of which we have discussed in a previous podcast called The Gospel Recovered. If you've not heard that one, please go back and listen to it. The 16th century in Europe was an intense time of spiritual and religious reformation. World-altering events occurred. and There were a number of reform movements all sharing several common convictions. The primary one centered on the Bible, its authority and sufficiency captured in the phrase sola scriptura. Now, the God's book was recovered began with the fact that the Bible was translated from the Greek and the Hebrew by the Reformers. As they translated God's word from the Greek and Hebrew into their language, whether it was German or English, and they read the book with greater understanding and with some correction of previously wrong words interpreted, they came to understand more of the gospel and more of the truth that's found in Scripture. And on the basis of the correction of the word of God that was coming to them, they discovered again and afresh the fullness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they discovered the authority and sufficiency of the scripture. And that's what the sola scriptura is all about. It means they made a discovery, a recovery of the authority of scripture being supreme over all matters related to salvation and the Christian life and experience. And they also came to the conviction that the word of God was sufficient Therefore, it did not have to have supplementation from other sources, such as tradition. You see, what they were battling against was the belief of the Roman Catholic Church that Scripture is the Word of God, yes, but also tradition, which is handed down oral teaching, is the Word of God, and it comes alongside of Scripture with the same authority. Now, to interpret those two together with utmost infallibility, you must have the magisterium of the church, which consists of the pope and the bishops in council. They then determine the interpretation of the scripture. So you see, though the Bible is there, it is not fully functioning as the supreme authority, nor is it regarded as being sufficient is being supplemented by tradition and by the magisterium of the church, the teaching authority of the church centered in Rome and its bishops. Well, this is not true, and it's not biblical. And this is what the reformers discovered as they read in God's word itself. So they came to the conviction of sola scriptura, That is, that every doctrine that the churches receive must come from the Old and New Testaments, interpreted in light of the coming of Christ. And every aspect of the Christian life is to be governed by the teaching of God's Word, not by the tradition of men. They based it on such scriptures as the following. As regards 
the revelation of God found in Scripture, consider Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice that it says that the prophets were inspired by God, but God has given his final word in his incarnate Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the New Testament is the witness and the record of this giving of God's Son. And it comes to us with apostolic authority. Therefore, we base all Christian teaching and practice on God's Word because it is the revelation of God, both Old and New Testament, summed up and fulfilled in Jesus Christ is borne witness to by the New Testament. On the basis of this, we understand the following. 2 Peter 1, 19 and 21 speaks about the prophetic word. It says that we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed by which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, how did this happen? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God himself inspired the prophets and the apostles and the apostolic witnesses to record exactly what he wanted recorded. It is not by dictation, except in rare cases, but he gives them the ideas, the thoughts, and the words as they write it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we hear the following. For whatever was written in former days, Romans 15, 4, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And we hear the following. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word that's been inspired by the Holy Spirit and written out and now put in the languages of the people guides us in all that we need to believe, in all that we need to do as God's people. So how did the Reformers articulate this particular aspect of the faith? Let me begin with Martin Luther. Although there is no definitive statement in one of the confessions, uh, early confessions of the Lutherans, Luther himself said the following. Luther says, God would hold us solely to his word so that we may learn to despise the great cry, Church! Church! Fathers, fathers, the church cannot err. The church cannot err. We should learn 
to put out of sight, church, fathers, temple, priesthood, Jerusalem, God's people and everything, and listen only to what God tells us in his word. Here, Luther stressed that what really matters in determining the veracity of any issue is what does God say? He exclaims, Scripture alone is the true Lord and master of all writings and doctrine on the earth. Found in this statement, again, are the words Scripture alone, which came to be sola scriptura. Luther went on to say, God's word wants to be supreme or it is nothing. Simply put, God's word must be recognized as sovereign over the church in all human lives, or it has no binding authority whatsoever. There is no middle ground. In his On the Council and the Church, written in 1539, Luther asserts that the preaching office constitutes the sure sign of a true church. Now, wherever you hear or see this word preached, believe, professed, and live, do not doubt that the true Catholic church, that is the true universal Christian church, is there. A Christian holy people must be there, even though their number is small. In his famous book, the most famous, The Bondage of the Will, Martin Luther wrote, We're willing to fight each other, not by appealing to the authority of any doctor, but by that of Scripture alone. So the, scripture, the Christian source of authority, our fundamental authority is God, and God has expressed his mind and his will in and through the Holy Bible, the Hebrew and Greek scriptures of the Old and New Testament that we commonly call the Holy Bible. Now, what did Calvin say about this matter? John Calvin, in the Genevan Confession that he wrote in 1556, says the following. First, we affirm that we desire to follow Scripture alone as rule of faith and religion without mixing with it any other thing which might be devised by the opinion of men apart from the Word of God and without wishing to accept for our spiritual government any other doctrine than what is conveyed to us by the same word without addition or diminution according to the command of our Lord. So what are we saying? Every doctrine must be expounded, it must be rooted, found in, and expounded from the Old and New Testaments. Let's listen to one other testimony of a confessional statement of a nature, and that is the one from the Articles of the Church of England. It states the following. Holy Scripture contains all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man, that it should be believed as an article of the faith, or be thought requested, are necessary to salvation. That's Article 6. Now, sola scriptura could then be defined as a conviction that the Holy Scriptures are the only source of origin for those doctrines necessary to be believed for salvation. We should probably say the only ultimate source because we do have secondary sources that articulate the teachings of Scripture, but even secondary sources are subject to correction by the Word of God. This is why, in a sense, the church must always be reforming. That doesn't mean we're not, that we're always discovering new things, but it means that what we have discovered must be tested and tried as they are articulated by the Word of God.
so that we adhere strictly to the word of God. In a modern day application of this truth, we have the Cambridge Declaration, which was put out in the late 1990s. They indicate, this evangelical group of Reformed Christians, Sola Scriptura, the erosion of authority, they write the following, Scripture alone is the inerrant rule of the church's life. But the evangelical church today has separated Scripture from its authoritative function. In practice, the church is guided far too often by the culture. Therapeutic technique, marketing strategies, and the beat of the entertainment world often have far more to say about what the church wants, how it functions, and what it offers than does the Word of God. Pastors have neglected their rightful ownership, oversight of worship, including the doctrinal content of the music. As biblical authority has been abandoned in practice, as its truths have faded from Christian consciousness, and as its doctrines have lost their saliency, the church has been increasingly emptied of its integrity, moral authority, and direction. Now, in response to this situation, the Cambridge Declaration makes the following thesis. Thesis 1 on Sola Scriptura reads, We reaffirm the inerrant scripture to be the sole source of written divine revelation, which alone can bind the conscience. The Bible alone teaches all that's necessary for our salvation from sin and is the standard by which all Christian behavior must be measured. We deny any creed, counsel, or individual may bind a Christian's conscience that the Holy Spirit speaks independent of or contrary to what is set forth in the Bible or that personal spiritual experience can ever be a vehicle of revelation. In other words, we cannot contradict the Scripture by adding our own revelation, i.e., later-day prophets that come along and tell you this is what the word means or those who base their Christian belief and practice in their experience rather than based on the Word of God. Well, let's go back and think about the Reformers for just a moment, because although the Reformers uniformly declare their belief in sola scriptura, in so many words or not, we must understand that they did not necessarily follow it to its total logical conclusions. In other words, there's variations of how they reached or, or came to understand and implement the teaching of Sola Scriptura. Although they all articulate this fundamental truth, not all followed it to its logical conclusions regarding certain matters. And the reason for that is because of the entanglement of state and church. They had a hard time uh, separating church and state, especially the the reformers that are in Europe uh, on the continent and even some in England that reference to the Church of England. And also in regard to the gospel ordinances commanded by Christ, baptism and the Lord's Supper. You see, correction of false teaching requires time and adjustment of the lens by which we read and interpret Scripture. And although we do admire the Protestant reformers, for what they recovered. And they did articulate great truths that they recovered for the church and that we must hold on to tenaciously. 
we must also understand that their experience of being conformed to that was progressive in nature, and ours sometimes is also progressive in nature and needs to be adjusted from time to time by a re-examination of our beliefs and practices under the scope of the Word of God, the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the Old Testament must be interpreted in light of the New Testament and especially the coming of Christ himself. Because if we reverse the order, we'll end up with something that's not exactly what it should be. God's book was recovered, though, at the Reformation, and we can thank God for that. It was recovered in certain areas. It was recovered by a faithful translation and subsequent translations based on the Greek and Hebrew. So God's word was restored to the people in a truer form than had been there previously. It was restored to the church in its reading of it publicly and its preaching of it from the pulpits. This was recovered at the Protestant Reformation. And because of this, the gospel itself was recovered and came to be articulated more clearly, although at times it can be fuzzy if we are not careful to keep examining our declaration of it in light of the word of God. So we have this recovery of God's book. It was recovered. We have God's book with us today. It can guide us. It's in our languages, and we need to read it. We need to preach it and teach it, and we need to base our doctrine and our explanation of the doctrine faithfully upon it, and we must conform our lives to the principles that it outlines for us. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.